0: You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben-Amin and Tatiana Keane jones For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack.
1: For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website, are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash forallnerds. Welcome to the
2: Fan Bros, the
0: show where the bros are fans. Doodle. And what's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the For For All Nerds. Nerds. (laughs) <laughs> the voice of the urban geek the podcast where we geek deacon pop culture from the perspective of people of color and as always back in the captain's chair it's your boy dj ben i aka thought pilgrim bid fetch lion richie de la troll mm. toss a coin to your ninja a baby banks and Patrick Swaley, because I just love that one. Here, back in the spaceship <laughs> tonight. And as always, I'm joined by...
1: Tatiana King, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Chance the Parappa, Princess Preach, the Ting of the North, Deuce Piccolo, Beretta Scott King, and Lambeau Calrissian.
0: Mm-hmm. Very nice, nice, very nice. Welcome back, welcome back. I think it's been a week or so since we've been back in the spaceship. We've been doing... Big, big things, though. You got to understand, a lot of things are going on, such as the Safe Negro podcast show.
1: Big ups to everyone who's been showing us love and support and Mm -hmm. feedback and all the things in between. We appreciate you so much. We really uh, enjoy the fact that everyone's enjoying us. Shout outs to ourselves, as well as Portia P., for holding down the Winthrop house mm. over on the Safe Negro podcast. Also, shouts to everyone who's been buying the merch. We see you. We see mm-hmm. the t-shirts are flying off the shelves. I'm very excited about that. Because that means we get to pay for, what, better equipment, more opportunities, more people to bring on the creative team. So, uh, the more you support us, whether it's listening or... or being part of our patreon or buying our merch or whatever the case may be the better we get so once again much appreciation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and let them know where they can do all that at uh for our patreon you can always find us at patreon.com slash for all nerds and our t public is t slash for all nerds and right yeah. there you can get all that merch that we just talked about yeah. you can get the safe negro podcast show t-shirts you can get the for all nerds t-shirts you can get the mugs the stickers. The, the mask. The, the mask, the mask, the laptop. The masks
1: are actually fine. The I masks like are pretty fire. <laughs> yeah, it comes <laughs> out pretty
0: solid. Thank you to everybody who's been posting those pictures. Please tag us in them at For All Nerds and at Safe Negro Pod. If you do copy any of this merch, make sure you tag us in the pics so we can see y'all beautiful faces out there stunting and shining in these, you know, And like we said before, com slash For All Nerds. Thank you for everyone over there and, you know, just thank y'all, man. You know, we miss y'all. You know, we happy to be back. You know, like we said, we've been over at the Winthrop House doing our thing, about to be in our fifth week over there. But, you know, we're here back on the For All Nerd Show. Big things happening behind the scenes. That's all we can say about that. But big, big things. Thank you for all the support and love, man. And, um, you know, it's been about a week and we've had a little bit of time to process this. And we I think uh, we mentioned this definitely on the last episode of the Safe Negro uh, podcast show, but, you know, a uh, friend of, like, personal friend of mine, and, I mean, just one of the greats, you know. I mean, we can talk more, but Chadwick Boseman, um passed away last week. It was his untimely. I mean, I don't even like saying untimely because everything happens for a reason and in its right time, and but, you know, he was taken from this plane at what people would consider very young age and um yeah it's it's a lot, man. I I I I talked a little about it on Twitter, but you know, I knew Chad with like not like you know, you know, not like even I know you, Tatiana, but like just, you know, we went to Howard at the same time. He was very close with a lot of friends of mine who I'm still very close with, Mm -hmm. such as like Tanahasi and um, my people's Camilla, Oni, just on down the line. And every time we'd see him or I'd see him anywhere like at the Black Panther uh, press screening and at the um, both Endgame and Infinity War, he was just always like, yo, what up? What up? You know, da-da-da-da, H you all that we'd be talking and shit. And like I said, he was very close to a lot of friends of mine. And then after he passed, I was watching Black Panther again. And it's like before he passed away, Watching movies like that, I'd always be like, oh, look at Chadwick, you know. But then when I was watching Black Panther after he passed, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this dude really was T'Challa, just like Mm -hmm. um, Robert Downey was Tony Stark, you know. Like, and to inhabit that role. And, like, we always talked about Black Panther and stuff. And I always feel about giving people their love and their roses while they're here. And I feel like we did that. But that's one of my things even now, man. I'm like, yo, did, did we really do enough? You know what I mean? To really recognize yeah. like what this man meant and what he meant to us as a people and everything.
2: Yeah.
1: I think you're always going to feel like you've never never done enough mm-hmm. for the people who've impacted you the most, for the people who have influenced you the most. You, are, you will probably forever feel indebted to them and will probably feel like nothing will ever compare to what they've given you because, again, that person has helped your own life path. And mm-hmm. the same can be said for Chadwick. And the fact of the matter is he literally, literally, not figuratively, no, but literally inspired and influenced generations. Mm. Generations of people who have gone to see Black Panther. Generations of the diaspora who saw themselves in a superhero light. Kids who, their first time ever seeing a superhero that looked like them. Whether you were talking about Black Panther or Nakia or the rest of everyone on the screen. like For him to lead with such love and lead with such understanding and care for the black community that is immeasurable Mm -hmm. and that's also why it's so difficult to put into full terms how much chadwick means and meant to people and and why it's taking so long for a lot of people to even share their thoughts um we were also like watching as different people would speak on chadwick and i know either today or, or just some point this week depending when you listen Lupita Nyong'o spoke up, and what she said was was hit me very profoundly because she expressed something that I was thinking, which was Chadwick didn't waste time, Mm -hmm. and you see that in the roles he took. Like I remember people clowning, like and even us, we were we would clown in like, oh, who gonna play? Like every black luminary is like, Mm -hmm. he's gonna play in Chadwick Boseman, right? (laughs) It's like there's nobody else to play him, but then. Now, when you take into context what he was going through and what his purpose and his mission was, it doesn't sound funny anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like, damn, he he literally was here to make sure that his legacy, and not just his legacy, but yeah. the legacy of black history mm-hmm. was cemented and, and revered in a way that was respectful. And again, lead, led with love. And he he did that. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he did that like he he did what he was he set out to do and the amount of work he did over that time period when he was sick and what he accomplished during that small space and even before, but particularly in that small space of time was incredible.
2: Mm.
0: And it's also like you don't want to glorify, you know, could people have been like, you know, he was disabled, you know, and that's I. Everyone makes their own choices and we have to accept them. And, you know, that was his choice in his life to do these films and everything. But we also want to make sure that people understand, you know, don't glorify pain or any of that stuff. Like go to the doctor, get yourself checked out. Don't overwork yourself to death trying to do something or trying to compare your life to someone else's. You know, that's a big problem in our society where we all want to, oh, look at this person. They were this old. And I only done this so far, so made sure of that too. You know, if you want to honor this man, honor him and how he lived, and how he lived for other people, and how he represented for other people as well as for himself. And like you said, that's what's so impressive to me because it goes. It's I mean, T'Challa alone is so ridiculously Iconic. legendary. Yeah, and just like you said, like from the youth, but then to you know seventy. I, I saw somebody's tweet there talking about. At the end of it, their seventy-two-year-old dad turned in and was like, "I've never seen. Or I thought I'd never see us on the screen like that." Yeah, you, you know, and so like, yeah, generation
1: impact. His impact cannot be overemphasized.
0: Yep. So
1: it's, it's it was it's absolutely important, and he will continue to be important because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, Black Panther lives forever. Yes. King T'Challa lives forever. Yes. And, and King Chadwick will live forever.
0: Mm, facts. All right. So you know, once again blessings to his friends his family like i said i wasn't as close to them as some of my people's i know y'all are going through it you know sending love to all of y'all out there i've talked to some of them personally and yeah man it's it's a lot but you know as Mm -hmm. always we're gonna get through this you know 2020 been a lot for everybody boy but man Mm. you know we're here for each other so we're gonna keep it moving man we're gonna keep it making it right we
1: got we got to keep it there for each other man the sky is orange Mm. shit so much every week 2020 is throwing something else at us
0: fam it just don't miss boy like they talk about ice cube talking to biden now fam i I don't want to talk to biden don't don't have me talk you know like uh,
1: i know this isn't a political podcast but i just want to say one thing i really don't like that quote unquote certain people are considered like the kings are the spokespeople of black people in America. Like, none of those people, and, 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 and I respect Snoop Dogg, Uncle Snoop, you're great, but none of those people represent me. No. I represent my views at all. Mm-mm. So I don't like the fact that these are the these are the people that are chosen to, to represent the black community. Like, like uh, there is no spokesperson that expresses what every black person in the United States needs. And there never will be because we're not a monolith. I understand it, And I understand there's certain people who may represent certain ideals, but not those three. Sorry. Mm. Not, a, not in my view. Not, at least not the people who need to vote right now.
0: I mean, but who else do we got?
1: But why... But, but, okay, I have a question for you. Who, who represents white people in America? Who's the spokespeople for white people? Who's the spokespeople for Asian people? Donald and Trump, particularly for East Asian people I mean, or Southeast Asian people.
0: White people with Donald Trump.
1: You oh wow. Mm. Well, well, fifty three percent. I mean, does not have a good view on you. <laughs>
0: not all of y'all, you know. Look, hey, and that, you know, that's where that's where we're at. Like,
1: but no, but that's my that's my only point. It's just like I just feel like with this with this group black people, it's like, oh, there's a certain person who represents y'all, or who... who yeah, who, always.
0: That and white it, people don't have like, a for, representation. I mean, I you want like, to be example, real. People yeah. like, people
1: like, people like D.L. Hughley, they do have a large following. They do have, you know, like, if you look at stuff like The Pressure Club, they do have a large following. People who feel like those, that they are represented by them. But I just feel like there's so much many more people who don't feel that way, me included, and it's just like, we get lost in the sauce, and then you get headlines like Ice Cube, who has been saying wild anti-Semitic things, is going to meet with uh, Biden. Like, no, no, I'm good. Oh, you haven't seen his Twitter account.
0: I've seen his Twitter his account. His Twitter
1: account went off the rails in it, the last it, couple of months.
0: It did go off the rails in the last like, couple of months. Like,
1: super off the rails. And 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 this is not me misinterpreting. This is, like, straight up.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I've i just always, um, and that's a whole, probably another episode. That might be something. Yeah. People, no, no, but um, just to make it short, I've always had a problem with the word, with words, you know, like anti Semitic versus uh, racist versus like homophobic or transphobic. I feel like uh, anti Semitic gets this special thing, you know? It's like, but special we. Special thing in my way. Um, people don't say anti Black. There we go. People don't yes, say. They do. Now they do. But now they do. See what I mean? Now, they now we're getting hip to the game. See what I mean? But before, trust me, it wasn't ever like that. And it wasn't. No, ab-
1: absolutely. No, and of it's,
0: course not. And it's never blackophobic. You know what I mean? It's never African American phobic. It's never like because those w- words mean things, and there's power in words, and they don't ever want to grant that. They can say they hate you, but they don't want to say they fear you. You know what I mean? Because that's a uh, that's powerful. You say black phobic? Wow, game changer. All right, we'll we'll delve into more than that on a whole other episode. <laughs> I just- but Don't I, want you, go, I but know, but I want you to think about it. Y'all throw it home and think about that one for a second. It's a game changer. You know what I mean? Trust me. Like, just like you said, they never said anti-black before, but they always said anti-Semitic. You know what I mean? If Jewish, if, you know, it's like you have to remember what words are. like. Um,
1: well, yeah. I, I understand the words. I just, mm-hmm. when, when I'm conservative, I'm not trying to go down to the Prince's Olympics. I'm just <laughs> literally just talking no, about yeah, no, not, why cube ain't the one for this conversation facts. particularly that's it now but, there's more to it like you said but mm-hmm. we're not a political podcast so
0: i mean but we talk our shit you we know. talk
1: about shit but yeah i want to i want to move on to the geek shit too.
0: okay true and i also just want to say though to everybody fucking vote oh. register to vote right now like if you're listening to this i don't care who you voting for i don't care where you at in this united states but you know especially if you're in the united states obviously register to vote and vote for somebody Especially in your local elections, it matters.
1: Local election matters. And while you
0: at it, throw something up on that, you know, presidential. What else you gonna be doing? <laughs> like you, at, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I'm like, nigga, what else you doing? do? You you, you, you know, you just don't sit there not feeling something. Come on, fam, did it right. All right. But moving on, let's talk about some geek shit, which is also some political shit. See how it just all works out here.
1: It all does work out. Like, yes, it, it, it does all uh, relate. So mm-hmm. the Dune trailer came out. Womp well, womp. Well. That's how you feel? No, I mean <laughs> So I, I I'll just share bit. Heard just, it all
0: before, you know.
1: Well, just my just my overall takes. First of all, I don't really know much about Dune or did not know really much about Dune okay. until I did some some, There's some, that. some, re- some yep. reading. Uh I don't know anything about the previous movies or mini series and all that stuff that happened. I don't know anything about the books. But <laughs> <laughs> After reading <laughs> I have I I say this to say I I have no context I love
0: the disclosure because I want to be
1: clear I think we need to always be honest right I have no I have no huge context (laughs) besides this is a (laughs) sci-fi apocalyptic looking thing fine everyone's wearing Yeezy season 85 fine
0: there we go yep
1: but after reading through a great deal of things this Mm -hmm. morning and getting to know a little bit more about it based just based off of that and based off of what I saw the movie looks Cool. It looks good from an aesthetics perspective. There we go. From a from a sci-fi approach, it looks interesting. The overall story of what they're trying to tell seems interesting. Isaac Isaac is a god and a zaddy. I'm here for all of that. Really happy to see Zendaya, and really, th- there's a huge ensemble cast in this movie. So I'm I'm really, I mean, even Drax is in this shit. Drax version 2.0. Looking ill. Looking, yeah. So so from aesthetics, beautiful. From yes. story standpoint. That's yet to be seen when mm-hmm. we actually see the, the film, but well, we can tell if it you know, makes sense or not. Um, I, I, will, I do want to give just an overview because I'm not the only one who really didn't know much about Dune. Yes. So long story short, it's set in a distant future. It's, a intersoci- it's an interstellar society, which has various noble houses that, have, that control their own fiefdoms. And Dune tells the story of uh, Paul Atreides, whose family accepts the stewardship of the planet Arrakis. The planet is horrible, sparsely populated, but is the only source of melange, also known as the spice. And this is uh, the, the spice, spice is life. Spice is life. Spice is a drug that extends life and enhances mental abilities. And spice is necessary for space navigation because. It requires like multidimensional awareness and foresight and only this drug can give you to you. So like we said, Spice shows, Spice is only on this planet. This family that Paul is is a, presumably part of the head of, um, they're trying to basically manage this planet where there's this special drug. It can only be produced on this planet. And so this story explores like the interactions of politics, religions, ecology, technology, emotion, etc., and how... The struggle for the control of Iraqis and its spice uh, continue on. So, from a from a that plot perspective, sounds pretty interesting, right? I think. Um, I also learned about doing that. It borrows heavily, heavily from Middle Eastern culture. Uh, Hannah Flint uh, last year, I believe it was last year, wrote a really great piece on sci-fi about why Arab and Islamic re- representation matters. In the new Dune, and obviously this was before, you know, all of the clips and stuff got put out there and, and who's in, in that. And then with that understanding, um, when the trailer came out, Lexi Alexander, friend of the show, had some choice words for it on her Twitter. She tweeted, ah, yes, a film about Middle East <clears throat> culture shot in the Middle East without a single Middle Eastern actor in sight. Can't wait. There's that. So, there's that. So with that understanding, Ben, I mean, what do you think?
0: Hey, um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I echo the sentiments of Lexi Alexander, first of all. Like, I do know a little bit more about Dune, I guess, than you do. I've seen the original film. I've read part of the sequel book. I would never read the uh, actual thing, but I've done, you know, I've known about Dune since I've seen the first movie. And so I've done a lot of, you know, like reading online about the story, Wikipedia, all that. Because it's always been an interesting culture and everything to me. And then when I found out about how much it takes from Islamic culture, that was also like, oh, wow, you know, of course it does. You know, and (laughs) um, even, (laughs) yeah, um, I want to go back to even uh, Mr. Juno Diaz, who was on one of our episodes early on. And his quote about Dune is, if it wasn't for the history of breeding human beings in the new world through uh, slavery, Dune doesn't make sense. You know, and that's. Um, part of it, and that's what Lexi is alluding to. It has a lot of references to people of color, and specifically to Arabic people, and yet,
1: I mean, there's a whole race based on nomadic people, Middle Eastern nomadic people, that's in Dune. Yeah, like, and literally, the name is derived from the original words. So- yeah.
0: So uh, there's that. And that's what, and, and so that's what I'm saying to see Timothy, you know, Shamlet, whatever, you know, and Denny yeah, Denis Villeneuve, you know, and like it looks, it, 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 looks it looks beautiful. You know, he's a, he is a beautifully aesthetic director, you know, Blade Runner, a rival. But I had a huge problem for Blade Runner. I found it misogynistic garbage, honestly. And I did not get the hype, you know, like because I can't get past that. When you just have a villain just slitting a uh, pregnant woman's belly open early on in the film just to show how evil he is. Bam. And that's a, and that's a thing that comes from slavery. That is a slave. Em- you know, that comes from, you know, but that's getting into a whole nother level. And so, mm-hmm. me personally, sure, you know, I love Ostra Isaac. You know, I love my man Momoa. You know, I love most of these actors. I think Timothy is a great actor. You know, so I think. So
1: many zaddies in
0: Yeah, I movie. mean, Zendaya, you know, that's my, you know. But, um. Yeah, man. It's like, whatever, honestly. like I
1: think it's important. And the reason why we're we're saying all of this also mm-hmm. is because it's important to interrogate what you're consuming. Yes. It's important. Like, all the art, like, any of you think it's the best art in the world, like, really interrogate, like, who's go like, what's going to the direction of it? What's going to the creation of it? What's going to the production of
0: it? Yeah. What's going oh. into the reception of it? What does it yeah. mean when it's put out into the universe? Like, we were just yeah. talking about Black Panther. And that's what I always go back to. It's like, the effect of that is so magnificent and so after that i'm like you can't just be out here just doing shit to do it and doing something like Dune when it was already done to do it and it's a very complicated book that's the other thing the first movie does not get it at all when i tried to read that second one it was when i was locked up i'll let y'all know and i you know i was reading anything i could fucking get my hands on i was still like ugh This is a hot (laughs) mess. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't get through this. Like, I got like 100, 200 pages into it. And there was still like 400 more, you know? And it was just like, all right, B. Like, I, you know? Whatever. I
1: mean, I mean, it's so funny because they said there were multiple stalled attempts in the 70s to, to do a film. There was um, I all... Mean, I see I see at least 4. There's
0: a book about one of them because this famous director wanted to do it and so they actually had the storyboards and his art and it was um damn it who was it? But there's a whole book and like I think a documentary movie about this movie that never got made. That's how deep it gets, right?
1: right. Yeah. You had the you had the film in eighty four by David Lynch, yep, where you say, it was widely panned by critics. <laughs>
0: it's a it's a hot mess. It's <laughs> it's, it's, inter- it it's wildly
1: panned. by it's critics. It's wildly
0: entertaining though, but it's a hot mess, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um But but someone who was like involved in like the actual rights of it um, said that they thought it was great. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like okay.
0: There's like um that there's some there's iconic moments in that first film, you know, and like. Even that fight scene that we see between Thanos, I mean, Josh Brolin and um, Villeneuve. I mean, not, not Villeneuve, that's a uh, chamelot in the uh, trailer. Yeah, between Timothy. Timothy. Timothy and, <laughs> and 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 Brolin. Um, yeah, Josh, even yeah. that, the effects in the original movie were, they're not better, but they were iller how they do that force shield. Because the force shield in the original movie is like these blocky squares. And it's just, you know, it's back 80s effects. But I like, it just looked more interesting. You know what I mean? It's just more Mm -hmm. different than this. This just looks like, okay, they got four shields. I've seen it. You know what I mean? Well,
1: well, the for the eighty-four movie, um uh Frank Herbert, who who is the author of he's the one who said he thought the eighty four movie was great. There we go. Like he said, yeah, there was some creative liberties, but overall they understood my voice. And everyone else was like, trash. Um and then again, there were several attempts made in well, there was a two thousands miniseries. Yeah, there were several attempts in mid two thousands to do it, and again, shit keeps falling apart. And then finally, you have this twenty twenty by yeah. Denis.
0: we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, it. Like I say, my man visually is a monster. Well, oh, I wonder who was cinematographer on it, because you know Bradford uh was on Brad- was on Arrival. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, like let me see with who, who was the cinematographer we Doom? We should we need to find that out. Yep. Arrival was Bradford. Yes, um, sir,
0: Bradford Young. Yeah. H-U? Um,
1: then he also did sicario yep which was a huge one but um i don't know we'll we'll find out i'll probably say it later in the in the show but mm-hmm. um i i will watch the film because yes. i'm interested in it like i'm interested in this story now that i've learned more about it um i'm afraid to get into the book but i probably will try no <laughs> I will probably try, but for all of those who do know about it or are just new to it, let us know what you think. What do you think about the trailer? What do you think about the storyline? Do you think that it's going to be adapted faithfully, quote unquote, or you think it's going to be hot trash? So,
0: yeah, I don't think it would be hot trash. I think mm-hmm. I just adapt on that storyline faithfully, and you know, like I said, when you know, like Lexi said, I echo everything she said on that. That is just like ooh, you know, should have yeah. should have got some. I mean, a consultant you know i mean i'm Mm -hmm. sure they got some consultants but you know you can't get an actor you know
1: like not one but as far as i know not one
0: you know cinematographer
1: you know i don't know it's not it's not looking too good for the it's just like with
0: mulan you like with mulan it just keeps looking worse for them you know every oh
1: you saw that you saw Mm -hmm. the imdb
0: you know like every time you turn around it's like and it's like that can't fly that's That's what it is. Like, you have Black Panther. You can't turn around and do things like this now. Because people have not only seen the financial rewards of doing it the right way. You have Crazy Rich
1: Agents as well.
0: You know, you've seen the financial rewards of doing it well, doing it right. And you've seen the cultural rewards of doing it right. So you just can't turn around and do this mess. Like, Dune, it's going to be tight. Especially by 2021, people's going to be fed up, dog. People's going to be like, Zendaya or not, bro, you should have done better. You know, like... You know, we had the episode. I'll start Isaac as is an Arab. Sorry well. to let y'all know. <laughs> no, <laughs> in case <in>, <laughs> you missed that. Um, yeah, but in case t- you missed that, you know, you, you better be ready for what's to nets because after this quit break, boy, we have yet another one. You know, our friend Matt Ruff, author, the author. You know, the originator of... Hold on. Oh, wait
1: a minute. We do Slide on camera. Oh, he's out of sliding at the book on the camera.
0: Oh, because you should be watching us right now on Twitch.tv slash For All Nerds. Yeah. Make sure you're watching us live right now. Twitch.tv slash For All Nerds. But yes, we have... You can see it right there. Matt Ruff.
1: I see N-E-R-D on your book <laughs> I see your background on your book make it up in front of your your chest but there we go yes. there, there we go. go
2: yes there we go Lovecraft
1: Country written by Matt Ruff as we all know it is right now a hit HBO series we have been covering it on Lovecraft our Lovecraft Country podcast the Safe Negro Pod and if you've been following For Owners which you absolutely should as well as Safe Negro Pod you'll know that we're giving away five books So, when you hear this, immediately respond to how you can win the book, because I think you only have, like, until Friday. A day. Yeah. (laughs) So, we are giving away copies. Again, as Benami said, we have an incredible interview with the Matt Ruff. We ask him everything, including how do you pronounce George's wife's name?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Professor Brandon Obunu a scientist who studies genetics and epidemics. And when I'm not doing long division, I'm listening to For All Nerds.
1: Hey, yo, this is Danny Lore, And this is Vida Ayala. And we are Twin Speaks. And when we are not writing Ironheart or James Bond, we are listening to For, For All, All Nerds. Nerds. Hi, my name is Genevieve King, and I play Jackie Veda on Netflix's Lock and Key. When I'm not cooking up new recipes in my kitchen, then I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey,
2: everybody, this is Peter Ramsey. I am the director of Rise of the Guardians and one of the directors of Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. And I like to listen to For All Nerds with Tatiana and The Great ben I Mean.
3: Hey, this is Hiro Kanagawa, actor and playwright. And you are listening to For All Nerds all
1: the way. Hi, this is Lexi Alexander, and I'm a filmmaker and a writer. And when I'm not playing with my vintage toys and feeding myself and my dog, then I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey,
0: what's up? This is Atu Asado, And when I'm not on television and movie sets, I am listening to For All Nerds. What's up, y'all? And welcome back to this episode of the For All Nerds Show. And as always, we are bringing you that heat. And especially today, serious heat coming up off that couch. (laughs) Speaking of couches, (laughs) you know, because normally you've been watching this show for the last few weeks, right? By this time, it'll be like the third, fourth episode. Yeah. A little show on HBO. You might be, you know, peeping. Oh, Lovecraft yeah, we should talk Country. about that. We need to
3: know what, what we don't want to spoil. Oh, wait, 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 we'll get into that.
0: <laughs> As you can tell, I can't even introduce the man because he is too excited to be here. Mr. Matt Ruff, the author himself of Lovecraft Country, is making his triumphant return to the spaceship.
3: Welcome back, sir. Thank you so much for having me back. This is wonderful. It's it's (laughs) great to see you folks again and to actually be able to see you this time. Right, right,
1: right, right. Um, So for for just those listening, if you don't know, Matt Ruff, he is the author, obviously, of the Lovecraft Country book, but he's also the author of several other bodies of work, such as Bad Monkeys, The Mirage, uh, Sewer, Gas, and Electric, The Public Works Trilogy. And if you would like to read more about those, you can just Google him really quick. But in the meantime, we're going <laughs> to talk about Lovecraft Country today. And like you said, Matt, it's been a while since you saw us or, or, or heard from us um, in person. And, you know, it was three years ago. At the time, you were talking about a very insignificant book called Lovecraft Country.
3: Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, no, it's you true. Know. It's absolutely true. Man. <laughs> Jordan Peele changed my life. But, you know, before that, yeah.
1: I mean, fast forward to now, Lovecraft Country is adapted to a major HBO show. Like, how does it feel to be blessed with For All Nerds Magic and become a megastar?
3: I, yeah, I, I gotta say, it, it's, <laughs> Things are just, I'm just so happy right now. Like the one other bit of good news is if I didn't have enough to be happy about, I just found out yesterday that uh, Lovecraft Country is going to crack the New York Times bestseller list in a couple of weeks on September 6th, just in time for my birthday, actually. So it's going to be uh, number five on the trade paperback bestseller list on September 6th. I turned 55 two, years later, two days later, so.
1: Oh, my God. Well, well, happy early birthday. That is quite an incredible birthday present. That's number one. And like number two, like how crazy is that like we've been i mean and 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 don't mind my little snark in the beginning but we've really no, been no, raving about your book since uh, i don't want to say the dawn of time but since the dawn of our relationship like we've we've loved your book like we love the nuances no, you guys of you
3: folks were early adopters yeah. for sure so yeah. it's, again and uh i mean the only downside is i keep waiting for like something bad to happen to balance us out like i'm gonna leave my house and get mauled by a bear or something. And um <laughs> The law the, 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 what was it, the the law of balance of the universe, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to be very nice to people, <laughs> so just not to bring that on. But very no, smart. it's been an amazing. It's been an amazing. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the past few years have been amazing, but particularly since the show debuted, it's just been yeah. Like- so and i i knew that i mean i knew with misha green helming this and all the other talent that hbo was throwing at this that it was going to be good but it's it's one thing to know that and quite another to actually see it mm. for the first time and be like oh my gosh you know this is like the dream translation of the the story and it's just been it's been, a, been an amazing trip so yeah right, i'm right. having a grand time
1: before, before we get too much into the detail of how this whole thing came together when you saw that first episode, what were what was the first words out of your mouth? First of all, I, I want to know.
3: I, I mean, I think the main thing was just you know, I, I, I knew about that opening because I had read a version of the pilot script, and then, um, but I think it was it was by the time the the bus broke down, I was like, okay, this really works. And what <laughs> I love about it is that it's like the pieces are all there. It's like the spirit of the book is very well captured, but the translation into the visual medium is just fascinating to me. Like the, Mm. even the fact that in the book, he's driving home from Florida alone, which I can do because in a book you can go inside his head and, and just like, it's like, okay, they're on the bus because he needs to be able to talk to somebody. And then you've also got that great tracking shot where you see the, you know, this section of the bus reserved for members of the colored race. It's like right away without any, voiceover explanation you get exactly what's happening and then that the thing where you know if I had been writing the screenplay I probably would have made a point of having the guy say no you can't get on this truck and ride back to town with the white passengers with buses stranded and the fact that they chose nope oh, they just cut to them walking back to town by themselves and it's like yeah you don't need to explain that yeah, Trust yeah the yeah. audience to follow and from then on I was hooked and it's like the rest of the 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 episode it was just like all the stuff I had was there. A lot of the dialogue is preserved. It, it's like, but they, it comes in a different order and, and it, its own pacing. And I just, I, it was a ball. It was just amazingly how That's it awesome. all worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it yeah. was really neat to see. Um,
1: so, was your, your overall fascination because this was kind of a new process to you? Like, this is the first time your works have been adapted to a visual medium.
3: It is. And yeah. I, I mean, one thing, I'm, I've, I've seen enough other adaptations to know how lucky I am that it worked <laughs> this well, because I've I've seen, yeah. but, I kinda, but I mean, this goes back to like the first conversation I ever had on the phone with Jordan Peele and Misha Green, where I've had other phone calls with people from Hollywood, where you wonder if they read the same book, because they're talking <laughs> about, it's like, what? You want to do what? And, and sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah, we want to we hear that Lovecraft is in the title. We kind of want to look into something that has something to do with Lovecraft. And, you know, when mm-hmm. I get on the phone with Misha and Jordan, it's like, oh, yeah, you, I finally, I found my people that who know <laughs> what I'm trying to do here and are yeah. excited for the same reason. And so, yeah, there is that. It's, it's not just the, the, the fortune of seeing it turned into, you know, a visual medium, but the, that it's been done about as well as you could hope to see, you know, that that was what was really astonishing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: That, that's wonderful to hear you say, I mean, just, I hear, I mean, even without you going to the detail, like I hear so much joy and, and high yeah. spirits from you. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's usually as, and you kind of touched upon it. That's kind of a departure from what you see a majority of the time. Lots of times you see uh, original authors are just like, leave me out of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Or like you said, they're, they're like, Oh, this is terrible adaptation, you know, or you're trying to kind of keep quiet for you to be able to be, <laughs> you know, outwardly really like. Oh I love that this is great and as you say be able to work with people who are who are you know uh, yeah. in the same lane as you that that that's that's pretty a, a kind of a blessed
3: situation Well no it's nice to be yeah it's nice to be able to tell the truth about what you think because yeah, wanna, yeah and and yeah I know I it's that's yeah and it's just a it's just a fun thing but also too I the other thing that's cool for me is like my version of the story, you know, it's there. It's right behind me. It's always going to exist. And so the other thing I really was great was to be able to hand it off to Misha Green and say, you know, here are my thoughts. You know, take this, keep what you want and, and you know, get rid of the rest and, and do something cool mm-hmm. with this and run with it. And I trust you. And, and that, again, was a really good decision on my part, you know, at least from the parts I've seen so far. It's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gal gal did an amazing job and i am yeah. so happy
0: to say the least and that's that's also a really healthy attitude for you to have to be able to say you know this is my version and i tell writers that a lot you know when they're like oh i don't want to hand it off to somebody even a script you know they'll write a script and they're like i'm so protective of this script because mm. i want to see it done this way and i'm like your script is still your script you always have to remember that. It's like your novel mm-hmm. is still your novel. It's like you, you know, that story is told and your novel is great for being a great novel. And it's even, like Tatiana said, it's so lucky that to <laughs> yeah. end up in the hands of Misha and Jordan because they obviously know what they're doing and they come with that same mindset. But, um, like, Sunday, we talked about this the first time you were on the show. To me, I feel like you're like the Bobby Caldwell of novelists. Because when, I don't know if you know oh. who Bobby Caldwell.
3: <laughs> I don't know that name, no. Oh, sorry. okay.
0: Well, Bobby Caldwell. You know seems, his music. You know his music. <laughs> okay. He sings, uh, now I'm stipping, uh, now it's stipping. <laughs> well, he he sings The Light, the song that Common sampled, and um,
1: What do You for Won't love. Do For Love. What You
0: Won't Do For Love is his biggest hit. But he's also a Caucasian man. And when a lot of black people find this out, they're stunned because we grew up listening to his music and not oh, wow. knowing. okay. It. But, and it's the same thing with this book. Like, even the first time when I read it, I was like, wait a minute, what, how? Because I didn't understand how you could capture some of the feelings I've had, you know, in my life in interacting with the police and interacting with racism. So now that the book is out, the show is out, everything's popping, are you looking forward to your Thanksgiving dinner? Are there certain family and friends that you've had, inst- like, interesting conversations with?
3: Um, I mean i you know I, a lot of my family's like I'm, I'm 55 a lot of my a lot of my family is dead now but... <laughs> <laughs> but the relatives who are still laugh. here it's just the way
1: you said it <laughs> it's like oh well, they're dead now so you're very but chico no, I'm I'm you're ch- leo of you <laughs> um
3: no it's like I'm, i like i wish my folks were still with me because i i would I, hmm. I i would love to get their reaction to this i'm sure they'd mm-hmm. be very proud and they were very yeah. supportive of my work all along and yeah and um so, yeah, the, the relatives who are still with me, though, I'm very close to. And I, I, I don't foresee any difficult conversations. Um, mm. uh, I mean, you know, so, yeah, there's nobody there's nobody left alive who I would be worried about talking about this and, with.
0: And anyone who is knows you're about that life already. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. right, right,
2: right,
0: right, 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 right. Like ain't no worries there.
3: Um, no, but it's, yeah, I've, I've been very happy with the reaction. And I mean, that was, that was another thing that was really great about coming on the show with you folks. That was just a very warm reception. It's like, because there is this, this attitude that honestly, I think I get more from white progressives about that. This is taboo and you shouldn't be doing this. And, Ugh. and it's just nice to, you know, and my, my thought was always, well, no, I, there is a bad track record of white authors trying to write about the, the quote unquote black experiences, you know, as if there were only one rather than millions of them. But, um, but my thought is always, I may be playing to a tough crowd, but that's okay. And as long as I, I do a decent job, I think it'll be fine. It's like the, the, yeah. the main thing is a book has just gotta, gotta do its job. And that has been the response I've gotten, particularly from black readers. Um, yeah. Again, the only folks who still occasionally will say, oh, I don't know about this, it <laughs> tends to be a, a certain type of white progressive liberal who are just sort of uncomfortable with the idea of people getting out of their lane, I guess. And I don't know, to me, it's just always been, I would be so bored if I could only write about people who are like me. And mm-hmm. as, I, as I described when I was first here, I mean, again, I, I have this weird background where my dad was from the Midwest, but my mother was a missionary's daughter, was born in Brazil, grew up in Argentina. And our house was Ellis Island for all of the South American relatives coming up. So I grew up surrounded by And also my grandmother had converted to Mormonism. So first mm. thing when the relatives came into the house, they, you know, dropped their, they dropped their luggage, grab a Bible, go downstairs and try to convert grandma back to the true Lutheran faith as if that was going to happen. And so I... I was just surrounded by folks who saw the world different from each other, couldn't kill each other. You had to find a way to get along. And it, yeah. it, I knew very early on that it, there was value in understanding people with different worldviews and backgrounds. And I love that. I, I, you know, I love being able to to use fiction to find that out. And, um, and the other thing I got to say too, is I, I, I just didn't feel like it was that difficult to get into the heads of the characters in Lovecraft Country. I mean, they actually have a lot in common with my father's people. They're working class, middle-class Americans growing, you know, in the Midwest in, you know, English speaking Christian folk in the 1950s. And yes, my people were ethnic Germans that there are obviously huge differences there, but it's not like I'm, I'm reaching across this vast Gulf. It's just, you know, these are these are human beings just like, you know, my family and it's just they're dealing with a very different set of rules and a very different, they're living kind of in a different country even though it occupies the same space and mm-hmm. how is that going to infect them and how is that going to change things and it's not that complicated. Um, I would have a much harder time, for example, I think trying to get inside the head of my uh, my own maternal grandmother who was born in Russia. <laughs> In 1899, and then you know, emigrated to Brazil with her family when she was still very young, and you know, married this American missionary and spent most of her life down there. So mm. she's she's light years further away from me in terms of understanding her thoughts than, say, Atticus or Leticia or or Hippolyta. So, um, yeah, it's like. The human experience isn't discrete boxes. It's more like a spectrum. And and you can actually be a lot farther away from people who who look like you than folks who don't. So I don't know.
0: No, that's that's like very wise and very on point. Because that's something we talk about on the show a lot is that the uh, pathological like white supremacist thought it one of its main goals is to separate people. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until that came along that people were even separated as far as the idea of race, you know, cultures, you know, ethnic groups, et cetera. Yes, that's historical. But but the ideas of race comes along when someone's like, oh, you're black and that way I can put you in slavery, you know, Mm -hmm. and this and this. And then it just it just it's as we go further, you know, it just tries to separate people more and more because that makes people forget that they were all unified. And there's somebody at the top who wants everyone to be separated. So it's very, yeah. really, you know, great that you already recognize that. And, you know, your book expresses all of this.
3: yeah, well, I mean, some of this too, I, I know that, like, I, I think at least some of this, the idea, you know, from liberal progressives who have this, the, the trying to do, stay in your own lane stuff, part of that I think is just motivated by fear of getting, you know, there's this pathological fear of being called racist. And of course, if you don't take the risk of telling stories like this, then that's a way of making sure, like, you know, people aren't going to get mad at you if you do something wrong or if you miss something. And so it's, in a way it's, it's, it's coming across as like, well, no, we're at, we're adopting this attitude out of our, you know, our staunch allyship. And it's like, well, no, I think you're partly doing that because you just don't want to take the chance of getting black folks mad at you. And I, you know, I, I can <laughs> totally is. understand that that <laughs> mindset, but is. you gotta kind of go past it and, if you if you get past that fear and you pull it off and you tell a good story the rewards are actually kind of nice just to be able to right. sit not be scared about stuff you know so and,
1: and that's my general issue like that that idea of fear stopping you and i understand that this is on different psychological levels but it's something that you even teach children or or if you if you try to be good with with how you raise a child you try to teach them what you need is on the other side of fear what the the better part of your life is on the other side of fear when you're doing something as simple as learning how to ride a bike and you're terrified yeah. because you're like oh i'm going to fall i'm going to break something i'm going to i'm going to bleed whatever you have to get past that and it seems like such a simple concept uh in, in on paper but in practice it's just like oh I, you know i don't i don't know up from down and and i'm you know i'm just that has always been the most concerning part for me when it's come to so-called white allies um well, even simple fears like why are you afraid to say black people <laughs>
3: like the word black like i just I'm yeah i know but the- <laughs> and but you know the other the other thing obviously is that if you if you don't want to deal with that there's a lot bigger space to retreat to if you're white you 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 don't Mm -hmm. have to you can still the country is still largely segregated you don't have to deal with race if you're white if you don't want to there's it's really easy to just say oh okay i'm i'm not going to go there and yeah and if you're black it's a little more difficult obviously there's the the spaces where you could be left alone are a lot smaller. And so the, the, the motivation to break beyond that is obviously a lot stronger, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah the exhaustion yeah. of just dealing with that nervousness is just, you know, it's the same for everybody. So,
1: yeah. Um, well, you mentioned segregation. So we have to talk about America a little bit. Um,
3: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, I mean, this place has largely been on fire since the beginning. Uh, it's and the fire has, has <laughs> has increased or decreased uh depending on what's going on socially and right now we're we're, we're in a huge fire a huge yeah. social political fire um this year in particular uh highlights many issues that have been brought up in lovecraft country the book and now you know we're seeing it on on the tv space um or streaming space but um you know i, I know this isn't something where you want to say like i told you so but do you feel a bit of redemption in the fact that you were highlighting these things um these these points
3: no i mean it's this comes up a lot like the, the way the question is usually asked is you know you know the timing isn't it, you, you, you there's is like you know were you mm-hmm. thinking about this when you're writing it and the, isn't this amazing timing and <laughs> you know which is a weird i know it's like it's, a weird thing it's not really like, amazing but you I know mean, it's yeah, well no on. but i mean yeah but my, my reaction to that is always like, yeah, it's like, it, it, this summer is, this year is like the perfect storm in some ways because, you know, mm-hmm. because of who's in the White House right now and because of, you know, and then we're all trapped indoors with, by the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. But really, any year I can think of when Lovecraft Country could have come out, there would be something. I mean, you have the, you know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Rodney King beating that was like mm-hmm. 92. and. Yep. There's always something going on. Unfortunately, there's always somebody getting shot, and it's 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 not like the police stop being brutal or only brutal in certain years. It just mm-hmm. is the media paying attention. Is is there focus on it? Is it something particularly egregious or what? And yeah, so no, I if anything, I'm I'm kind of heartbroken that it's still as topical as it is. I don't feel, yeah. and I never felt like I needed to be vindicated because I, if anything, I felt kind of stupid. Hmm. As I was doing the research, sort of catching up on stuff, I mean, the the biggest thing still for me with Lovecraft Country is the, and I've, I've seen this in the reaction that like when, when the show was first, the trailers were first dropping early this year, there were still people describing it as a story being set in the Jim Crow South. And even some people who'd seen the show said that, which I found amazing, that this idea that racism is still seen as this regional, historically is seen as this regional uh, issue rather than something that's nationwide. And so to me, if anything, like doing the research for the novel and discovering that, yeah, that the reason there are large parts of the country, particularly in the North and West, where you just don't expect to encounter anybody who's Black or who's not white at all, is, is not a historical accident. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, they just didn't like the weather in Montana or Idaho or Maine. It's no, that <laughs> there was this largely forgotten period of ethnic cleansing in, you know, starting around the 1890s and continuing through the mid 20th century when folks got driven out and then that the process by which they were driven out was sort of fell into this, this memory hole and, and, you know, people made up just so stories about why no, you know, why no black people wanted to live here. And, right. So sort of like finding that out and just, you know, reading about that, I'm like, oh yeah, this all makes sense and I didn't know it. And, you know, let me put this in the story and talk about it. So if anything, I feel like, I don't feel vindicated. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that more people don't know this, and it's unfortunate that it's still relevant. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, your this show and your book subsequently is having a similar effect to Watchmen. Um, w- Watchmen actually uh, apprised every uh, not everyone, but a lot of people of the Tulsa massacres. Mm-hmm. Um, of and as you have mentioned, these these points in history that have fell into these memory holes, or really what it is 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 being erased out of history because mm-hmm. people aren't taught this in school, or it's or it's downplayed in books or what have you. And I mentioned that because that also feeds into what you just said about people still making this a regional thing. Um, like I, like I, I'm a millennial. I lived in New York most of my life, and that's not something that they talked about in the history books. you know, it was either brushed over or not even mentioned at all. and then it was always positioned as, oh, this is from the south, and it came north to get free. And there's no there's no other conversation about it. What we've learned is that or what what we take from it then is that, oh, it was more overt down there in the south and more covert up north
3: yeah and then, I mean, you know you, you know you, you had think- extensive signage in the south showing you where yeah. you couldn't go which is yeah. why you, that's the other funny thing about the green book is like people assume well you, you need the green book when you went traveling in the south and it's like nope actually
2: Mm-mm.
3: you need the green Book everywhere else because in the south <laughs> you knew you knew unless it's explicitly said you know colored folk you were not welcome there and in the in the north you might get a sign but more often you get a weird look and the guy would say oh sorry i forgot to put the no vacancy sign on or you'd mm-hmm. sit down at a at a diner counter and you if you were lucky the waiter wouldn't see you if you were unlucky it would be like yeah episode 1 of lovecraft country where people would show up to escort you out of town and so yeah i i mean for me the like i, I don't know if i talked about this the first time i was here but like the the earliest Er, moment of inspiration for what would eventually become Lovecraftry was actually when I was back at Cornell in 1986-87 and I had a friend named Joe Scandalbury who was the residence housing director at Ujima which is the Mm -hmm. program house affiliated with the Africana Studies uh, Center and I came back from taking this long hike in the the farmland around Ithaca one day and I I stopped in to see Joe and I told him what I've been doing and I'm saying you should go hiking out here too it's really cool and he just laughed and he said (laughs) Matt I'm, I'm black and I would like to live to see graduation. I cannot go walking around in the backwoods up here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're in the North. It's the (laughs) 1980s. And he laughed again and he said, yeah, I know, but I can't do that. And, and, That was like, you know, thinking about that the next time I went out walking, and the kind of folks I would run into, of course, everybody you would see out there was white, and they were the kind of folks who drove pickup trucks with gun racks, and they'd have a big dog riding in back, maybe, and Mm -hmm. I was fine, even with long hair, because we were far enough along that hippies were not a, a problem, but... If I looked like Joe, you know, that might have been a very different reception, and that was sort of like that. That really stuck with me, and and that idea that yeah, the North is a problem too. That's the first inkling I really had of that. Mm. Um, so, I mean, obviously, growing up in New York City, you knew too. There were neighborhoods where, if you if you didn't look like you belonged, you get into trouble. But that was that again seemed like a separate, more of a New York thing than a than a racial history thing so much. But yeah.
2: That's mm-hmm. kind
1: of, that's kind of like a uh, neighborhood thing. Cause you see that in yeah.
3: places. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's
0: interesting. You were talking about, like, we, we were talking about the whole Tulsa massacre and how it's come up in Watchmen and now it's come up in your show. And recently I found out how many people, like you said, speaking about even New York, I'm not even from New York, but how many people didn't know about youssef Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And that's such a recent thing, you know, but people, this country does such a good job of covering up its history, especially the history that it doesn't want to pay attention to. You know, it it does the best job of celebrating the history that it wants you to pay attention yeah. to. But all the history that it doesn't want you to pay attention to, it just, you know, really puts under. And it's really good that things like Watchmen and your show, well, this, you know, Lovecraft Country and everything are now coming along and doing this. But on a so related note, what was your or so far at least without spoilers what has been your favorite thing just about this whole process of your book going to the screen
3: wow that's a tough call i mean the whole thing has been so interesting it'd be hard to pick one thing i mean i i Probably probably watching the pilot and and just mm-hmm. seeing how good it was going to be was probably the biggest thing, um, mm-hmm. but there have mm-hmm. been so many moments within the production process and now watching it come alive finally that that it would be really hard to pick just one.
0: were you involved in the writer's room
3: no. Um, hmm. If I'd wanted to do that, I would have had to move to LA. And, and I, you know, the idea of sort of like, and the other thing is, you know, again, it's like I told my version already. I didn't really, and I, I, I just didn't see the idea of me sort of like looking over Misha's shoulder while she's doing, cause I don't even, you know, I don't know the visual language mm-hmm. that you would mm. need to do a proper job of um, translating it. So it's like, I'd be out of my depth and I, I think she had her own ideas of what she wanted to do and I really didn't want to interfere with that because I, I wanted to see what she was going to do with it too so what
1: a wild concept staying yeah. in your lane wow
3: <laughs> yeah wow. In, that, in that case yes actually <laughs> you, you,
1: wait wait so Matt you mean to tell me you didn't try to white splain or mansplain you Matt, did it
2: exactly
3: no it's like we had we had this we had this conversation at the beginning I gave her my research and then I had a a bunch of notes about what I had been thinking when I did mm-hmm. stuff, and mm-hmm. like, why did I do this, why did I do that, and I basically sent it to her with this big note saying, you know, take what you want from this, ignore the rest, because I know you're going to do your own thing, but I just want you to have an idea of why I did what I did, Yes. and that basically, you know, that, that, that was the right approach, and, and so, um, yeah, that was basically the beginning and the end of my direct involvement in the creative process, and then I got to visit the set a couple of times, Um, once in Chicago when they were filming the pilot. And then again, my wife and I got to go down to the the big studio in Atlanta where everything but the pilot was filmed. And so those those are really interesting experiences just to see how technically it gets made. But again, that was just, you know, courtesy visit, not me telling people how to do stuff. So
1: (laughs) gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What What was your reactions to the casting? Like when you saw Letty and Atticus come to life?
3: Oh, you know, it's... It's interesting because I didn't, I didn't know some of the actors, but they, I mean, they, it, it's, at first it's odd because you don't know, like, I've, I've always got this sort of vague notion of what the characters look like that mm-hmm. doesn't really map to any specific person. So it wasn't until, like, I knew, I knew Jeremy Smollett Bell's work, of course, mm-hmm. um, and of course, Courtney B. Vance. And then when I found out Michael K. Williams got picked for Montrez it's like, he was like the dream guy, the, the dream choice mm. that you like when you're joking to yourself, like, yeah, well, who would you get to play Montrez Well if I could have anybody, if I had a wish, of course, Michael K. Williams, but that's wow. never going to happen. And then it turns oh. out, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it so your fan casting came true. Wow. But uh, most of the other actors, I just, I, I I hadn't seen their work. And so it wasn't until like Jonathan Majors, you know, until I, mm. I saw him acting on the set though, it was like right away. It's like, Oh yeah, that works. And then seeing mm. the, seeing the first couple episodes, it's like, and and I, like my first time watching Andrew Ellis act, I, I we were in Georgia and I got to watch she was doing a scene and it it I it was just like I can't really talk about it because it's stuff that hasn't happened yet but it was just like that's when I realized oh they picked the perfect person for Hippolyta it's like I, this is I could not have asked for a better interpretation of the character she's got it this is awesome and um, so yeah I've been. Uh, on i've been like happy with all the casting decisions and now it's hard to imagine anybody else doing them you know so this has been yeah
1: wow um I, and this is kind of related kind of not but but you you brought up this big debate that happened after the very first episode and it was already resolved but the whole pronunciation of <laughs> her name so um we know from the show it's pronounced hippolyta but yeah. Greek mythology has it Hippolyta, then you said Hi- Hippo. It was, it's, it's like three or four different pronunciations. Well, that's what's is there funny? a right way?
3: <laughs> Hippolyta is how I always pronounce it, but I'm, really okay. the, I'm, I'm a bad judge because I tend to mispronounce words from other languages anyway, so I, I would not be surprised. Like I know the guy who did the audiobook was a Shakespearean actor, so I, I assume he may have said Hippolyta or, or something more like Shakespeare, and Actually, I remember being, when I was on set, when they were doing that, the scene I was mentioning before, that there was, I think somebody else on there was asked, are we pronouncing it Hippolyta or Hippolyta? So I think they may have had an internal debate as well as to okay. how to do it, but but Hippolyta is what they settled on, which is kind of good, because that's what I'm used to, but, you know,
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, quite literally, first episode of our podcast, the Safe World <laughs> podcast show, that was the first argument that went down, so with the listeners, so <laughs> I just wanted to hear from the, one of the sources what, what the uh, pronunciation
3: was. They did not actually ask me, but it just sort of happened that they, <laughs> they landed on the same pronunciation I had, so that's great. Got it. Thank you.
0: I just love it, man, that you, you know, were like, here, Misha, take this, you know, here's my notes, here's everything I did with it. Now go do your thing, because I've seen and been involved in productions where that wasn't the well, case. That doesn't happen. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's interesting, because we know that that's your creation and everything, but like you said, just to, be, to have that knowledge and that wherewithal to be like, okay, I don't have mm-hmm. the knowledge of screenwriting, the visual language, et cetera, to make this work. You know, and y'all just go ahead and do it. That you know,
1: I just. I I mean, I mean, towards that point, was this just a logic call where you were like, "I don't know this, so you take it"? Or, or or, because for some people, it's very hard for them to let go. How do you? How would you let go as creator? No, I,
3: I, I mean, that's my general attitude: is that Hmm. you know, when, when I, if I, if I, if you're taking, if you're going to option the story and do it yourself, I've, I've just sort of got to trust you and let you do what you're going to do anyway. So, in this case, it was probably easier to, to stay true to that idea because i i really did trust misha to do it but even if it were a case where i i got the sense that they were going to do something i didn't like it's like Mm -hmm. there's you know you got to pick your battles and they're they're you know unless i think they're doing something really terrible and even then i would try to find the most diplomatic way possible to say i think this is a mistake like Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so um so that would just be my general take. But in this case, it was just easier to follow my own smart advice to, to like, yeah, let, let, let the experts on this do it. And I've, you know, I know what I, I've got my version and I don't need to, I don't need to second guess Nisha on this.
1: Okay. So you don't have control issues. That's great to hear. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking of doing anything as far as a sequel in novel form?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> ah. Oh, I've been, I mean, I've been, i have sort of equivocating on this forever. And I, I, I probably said the same thing to you the last time I was here, but that, that I've gotten to the point where I've kind of got to either do it or, or give it up. And I'm really not generally a sequel guy. I have, you know, I just generally feel like that if, if a book is done right, it's basically got to use up whatever potential was in the idea that made you want to write it in the first place. So you've really got to find something new to say, but these characters have just stuck with me and the big hesitation is I yes I I've written about 30,000 words of a sequel and I know where I think it's really good and I I know where I want to take it um uh-huh. the problem is is it's not what I've got in mind if I really dive back into this it's not just one more book it's at least two and maybe three and wow. I I'm I'm slow I write very slowly. <laughs> Not slow than than George R R. Martin. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> well, that's the obvious. That's the obvious comparison, and it's like I, you know, again, I'm going to be 55, you know, <laughs> and and I I have other books I want to write too while I've still got all my cookies and um mm. and so it's like, if I'm going to do this, I've got to commit to it because this is basically the, the last point in history when it would make sense for me to even try that. But I've got to, so I've got to, at some point in the next six months, I will probably go to my publisher and talk to them about this and say, you know, is this something you'd be willing to back me in or not? And we'll see. And again, it's like, if it were just one more book, that would be an easy choice. It's just that I, I have this idea. If I get back into it, I'm going to want to go further. And, and that's a big commitment. On their part and on my part, and but the fact that I'm still talking about it, you know, at this point in time means I. There's a part of me that really wants to go for it. So you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. We we'll gotta see. do
2: it.
1: I'm thinking
0: between the HBO show and the New York Times bestseller this return, <laughs>
3: that publishers say,
2: yeah. might, you know.
3: <laughs> they- and the other, the other thing that kind of fascinates me about this, beyond the thing itself, is that obviously it will diverge from the mm-hmm. HBO series. Like I hope there. I, that we don't know that there will be more than one season yet. The HBO has not said definitively whether there'll be a season two or not, but you know, there, it's very likely that, that where Misha will decide to take it is different from where I would want to go. I mean, there've already been some changes in the characters. So absolutely but I, I actually kind of think that's cool that um, just as in a way writing the novel was my sort of my proof of concept that this story made sense. Cause I had initially tried to pitch it as a TV show back in 2007 and I wrote the book when I couldn't get that to happen. So mm. there's this kind of cool idea in my head. Like normally you don't, you don't do that. You don't have two versions, divergent, divergent versions of a story in advance. Like maybe you, if the series already exists and then they interpret the, the TV show differently, but mm-hmm. the idea of like, no, we we're both starting at roughly the same place. And then I'm going to go one way and you're going to go the other way. And I would love to prove that there's enough potential in these characters and this idea that you can actually do multiple interpretations of it. And I mean, comic books have kind of already done mm-hmm. this where they do multiple retakes of characters and stuff, but yep. in in prose fiction, it's less common, particularly this scenario. But so that's, that's the other thing that's kind of excited me about this. It'd be, be kind of cool to see if I could make that work. And and if audiences would be willing to, you know, follow along and, and maybe be confused like, well, oh, there's this, this is the, the, the <laughs> you know, the Atticus Turner version of the story. And then there's the Atticus Freeman TV series version of the story. So, I mean, um, we,
1: we could have a whole Lovecraft well, excuse me, Lovecraft Universe. If you really wanted to, a multiverse, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think people are going to be for it. everyone's been been, especially from the first episode. I, I think everyone's minds have opened quite considerably.
3: Mm-hmm. Although it's been hilarious watching people on Twitter, like some of the ones are still figuring out that there was a book to begin with. They're like, <laughs> "Oh, you mean? I mean, yeah. it's not based on Lovecraft just because his name's the title." And what what doing- do you think about the social media reaction? It's been fun to follow and I'm smart not to get involved in it, you know, when people are, (laughs) I mean, most people are, most people are very happy, but you do get, you know, you get the, the, the Lovecraft purists who are like, well, you know, why is it called that if it's not literally about H.P. Lovecraft's creations, if it's not literally in the mythos and then, uh, you know, and, you know, there's some other folks who've got other issues, but it's just sort of, it's, it's, it's really hilarious. And then folks who haven't, you know, you could Google this stuff, but instead they're just going to sort of make up with their mind what it must be about. So I've, and, but and then also just the people who are obviously the people who are having their minds blown and are loving it. That's the best part is the, mm. you know, the black nerds who are like, finally, I got what I've been hoping for all these years. This is exactly mm. right. And then the funny reactions of people who are like, I want to watch this, but I got to watch it during the daytime because I'm scared. Yeah. Which is also, <laughs> I, I love that too. So
0: we so no, it's of that. been a,
3: it's been a fun it's been a fun fun thing to just follow along and not not get into arguments with people because I don't need to do that.
1: Oh, so you're not going to be like live tweeting or anything? To I might
3: him. I might live tweet stuff but I'm not going to I'm not going to go after somebody if they say something <laughs> you know Could you imagine <laughs> it's like Matt Ruff flamed you on Twitter cuz you had a horrible reaction <laughs> That that's the nice thing about this happening at this point in my life I've seen another uh, enough other people do stupid stuff and like you know if if this were happening when I was 20 uh, god help mm. me Ooh but yeah but now I'm like no you know I don't need to send that tweet because the the moment of satisfaction will give me will not be worth the years of regret that would follow. So yeah.
1: Uh, Oh, I want to see your Twitter drafts now. I know there's some, there's some hot takes in there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I keep them in here because if I even type them, I'm worried I will send one by accident, but yeah, it's just Uh, smart. move. No, I've, 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 yeah, it's took long enough, but yes, (laughs) I've lived long enough to be a little more conservative about what I, when when it goes from here to out here, so
0: you keep it in the novels. So yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very smart. You know what I mean? Like, because you say everything that needs to be said right there, and like if they need to argue with you, you would be like, "Go read." That's the, the other book.
3: thing is that it's the book is the thing that's going to last. What I have mm-hmm. to say is you know mm-hmm. not really relevant. It can just make it can, all I can do is make my life difficult for a little while, and I don't you know, eh.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Does uh. You know, does this, this experience with with Lovecraft and the fact that, you know, you, you're going to be working on your sequels, does this make you want any other pieces of your, any other novels to be adapted to the visual medium?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the one, I'm, the one I'm still got my fingers crossed for, and it's, it's still really unlikely, is probably The Mirage, the book I wrote mm. before Lovecraft Country. And that is my, you know, it's it's a nine eleven novel set in an alternate universe where basically the Middle East and the U.S. trade places. So it's Christian fundamentalists from Texas flying planes into towers in downtown Baghdad. Jeez, and- Matt! I remember, <laughs> I remember Matt talking about this last time, and I think you had the
1: same reaction. Ben. you like, Wait. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, this guy don't but, fucking but, but care.
1: It's G's, but <laughs> does that seem so far-fetched?
0: No, I just, Which, it's amazing, but I'm yeah. just like, like, you know, between that and Lovecraft, man, I'm like, man, you just are, you you write, you, well, that you, that like, was, me, that, you just like, it, fuck it when you write. <laughs> yeah, well,
3: that, that came out of the same, it came out of the same TV pitch thing as Lovecraft Country. And it was like, wow. they, they they were basically saying, oh yeah, give us your edgiest ideas. You know, the sky's the limit. And I'm like, you know, I know you don't really mean that the way you think you do, but <laughs> I'm going to, because this is a lottery ticket, I'm going to pretend that I, yes, I can do whatever I want. And I'm going to come up with ideas that I think would make great TV, even though I know they can't get made. And so mm. Barrage was the first and then Lovecraft country was the second. And then 88 names. My, 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 mm-hmm. I'm there, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, the Mirage is the one I would still most love to see because I think it would be. I, I really love the novel, but it's and it's a little less radioactive now than when I because it, it I was I was pitching this while the Iraq War was still going on. And, well, and the thing yeah. about it is, it doesn't just switch the geopolitical situation. The, the more important part, because it, people compare it to you know Philip K. Dick's The Man in the High Castle, but the difference is that uh. Dick changed the way World War II ends, but the Americans are still the important people that you talk about it in mm-hmm. in. In, in the Mirage, it's like, no, it's not just the geopolitical situation, it's who matters. It's like the good right. guys and the bad guys are Arab Muslims living in, in you know, the 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 United Arab States, and the Americans yeah. are like the, they're sort of like the cannon fodder, the third worlders who you kind of feel bad about, but, you know, they're not really what the story is about. And so that's the part I would love to to see brought to life, where you've got these ordinary cops in Baghdad, and then, you know, Saddam Hussein is a gangster, and Osama bin Laden is a war hero who's secretly plotting against the Republic. And Al Qaeda is a, a covert anti-terror organization that's actually helping him plot against the Republic. So the bad guys are Arab Muslims, but the good guys are also Arab Muslims. And the Americans are just sort of like cannon fodder and people you kind of feel bad about. But, um, yeah. So that would, be, that would be a really fun story or a really interesting story to see made. Um, but it's still probably a little too out there. Um, Oh, I've already pressed download on my Kindle so.: oh, Okay, just, so.
0: <laughs> I'm like,
1: I mean I just already got did, it, so: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, We just picked some stuff recently that was, you know, I'm like, wow, we
1: thought the out stuff was out there. was out there.
0: This man over here, just like this let me man jumping this out the window.: We drop this bomb on you, you know, y'all deal with it.
1: No, but, uh, you know, that goes back to what we said at the beginning of our chat that, about that, that idea of fear and moving beyond fear. Like you said, that, yeah, it's, it's a wild idea, but if you allowed your fear to hold you
3: back, you know, it that. It was a wonderful moment when I, when I first wrote the treatment of that and I showed it to my wife. And then she comes into the room and she's like, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I know, but it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> this would be It'd so be cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and you know, God bless Harper They, they let me write it. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. It's, it's one of the books I am proudest of. It was my least commercially successful and they still stuck with me and let me do Lovecraft Country. And so I'm sure they're very happy with that decision now. But, um, so I, I cannot say enough good things about my publisher for, for backing me all these years. So, um, and then, yeah, my most, my more, okay. I, yeah, oh, there we go. There we go. I I do hope "88 Names" gets a home too, and I, that one's a little more palatable. That's the that just came out in March, and it's it's kind of it kind of got squashed by the pandemic in terms of there was no real book tour, and and then mm-hmm. um, and now it's been kind of eclipsed by Lovecraft Country. But I'm really happy with that one too, and that is um, it's about a guy named John Chu who is a a what's called a Sherpa. He's basically a paid guide to online role playing games, and it's set mostly in VR. And he gets a new client who he comes to suspect maybe the North Korean dictator uh, Kim Jong Un. And so this is all set in VR where everybody has total control over how they look and sound. So um, adding that to all the, the people, all the people he's dealing with, including you know not just the Kim Jong Un guy, but his his coworkers and even his ex girlfriend are people he's never met face to face. So it's this real guessing game of who am I really dealing with? What do they really like? What do they really want? Like, you know, if somebody tells you their name, you can look them up on social media, but social media lies too. So it's sort of, yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's a little more light than, than Lovecraft Country and the Mirage, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And I had a lot of fun playing with identity and, and uh, you know, the, and it, it's also a way to sort of pay off my, my years of wasted time playing video games. So I use my expertise. Never there. a waste. Nerd, time. Never a waste. My nerd expertise, yeah.
1: Matt, do us a favor and protect your mind, please. Keep yourself playing <laughs> games, staying sharp. We need these ideas. We need these, we need these stories. We need Thank all you. of this. Seriously. I, like, cause you see, like, we're, we're sitting there, like, laughing, like, doing the evil genius laugh because, like, this is right up our alley. And this is right up the alley of a lot of people. Um, and the fact that you want to go there, like that matters.
3: Well, you know, I just, yeah, that I, I really believe, you know, like the, the best drama is like in the part of the forest where you're a little nervous about going. And, and mm-hmm. so generally, my wife pointed out years ago that when I want to praise a book, the way I tend to do it is by talking all the ways it could have been screwed up and gone horribly wrong, <laughs> but didn't. And, you know, it's like whenever I'm writing, when, when I write a blurb for somebody, like the first blurb I ever wrote, it was for this, this book called Laos. It was about this guy who was basically Howard, Howard Hughes's, um, like, like this guy taking care of Howard Hughes during his declining years. And what I, my initial take on the blurb was like, from the description, you would really expect this book to suck, but in fact, it's amazing. <laughs> And and the the author of the book, to his credit, loved that blurb. His editor is like, "Can you give us a different version of this?" Yeah. And so yeah, I gave him I gave him a more a more relaxed version of it. But that's really yeah. If if I'm thinking about a book idea and I I start to think to myself, you know, if I screw this up, it's going to be horribly embarrassing. But the flip side of that is, you know, if I don't if I if I don't get lazy and if I make sure to do it right, it'll probably be really cool. And that's generally proved true. So I. I like ideas that make me nervous, and the books that tend to, I tend to love the most are the ones I was most concerned about going in. But you know, mm-hmm. I part of it is I, I have a good sense of when stuff is working, and and if I'm not sure, I can always talk to my wife. You know, she's a good first reader, and um, and I I owe a debt to my mom when I was a kid because she was she was very supportive, but she was also not afraid to argue when she didn't like stuff that I did, and so I I kind of after you've argued with your own mother about, you know, Mm -hmm. the the profanity and the blasphemy in your work, it's Mm -hmm. like internet commentators just aren't that scary. And it's easier (laughs) to sort of hold your breath and go, okay, I'm going to just jump and see where this goes. Mm -hmm. I love it.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Matt, you have survived the interview segment, but as you know, we have our BRAP segment, our rapid fire questions. Sure. You've done them before, but you know, we've got a few change ups. Okay, some, some specialties right here.
3: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's start off with a familiar one, maybe. Uh, Luke Cage or Black Panther?
3: Black Panther. I wish it were otherwise, but uh, yeah, I was not as happy with the. Are, are, are we talking? Wait, are we talking about the? The character or the, the, the Netflix series?
1: The character, the character, but from any, any version of that uh, character. I'd probably
3: still go with Black Panther, but I, yeah, I, mm. really, I really wanted that Netflix Luke Cage to be better than it was, because it just seems like such a cool character to do stuff with, and I would have gone different places with that one, but anyway. Heard. All right. <laughs> Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom? Luthor. Mm-hmm. Again, probably because I've just never seen a good Doctor Doom, but yeah.
2: Yeah. When
3: yeah, you think know. about
1: it, like, um, visually, like.
0: Cartoons, not even. Like, there's, yeah. They, they played them to the
1: left in the, in the cartoons, so.
0: Yeah, they haven't. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Okay, then. Uh, the Falcon or War Machine?
3: Hmm. Yeah, probably the Falcon. Falcon,
1: okay. Um, you're a gamer. RPGs or platformers?
3: RPGs. So talk-
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite that be, RPG? That would be
3: my, that would be my first pick as far as, as genre, but platformers are like one of my least favorites. I, ah. I, I, for that kind of, for that kind of action, I think I'd probably go with RTS rather than. Rather oh, what well, RTS watch, are you playing? Um, the, the one I still go back to is, is uh, Supreme commander Two because it's got these great visuals where you're just blowing crap up. I love the, I love cool explosions. And then, um, uh there's a there's a there's a series creeper world that i've been playing a lot of i'm playing the creeper world three a lot lately in fact just today but um and they've got a, a creeper world four is coming out shortly so those there's something about those that are just really uh, really get me um rpgs i mean i probably the one i'm i'm still i'm still like world of warcraft still has a very you know deep place in my heart that but um Although I found it was funny, ironically, after finishing 88 Names and going back, I realized that it, the learning curve to get back into it when you've stopped playing for a year, it's like mm. just to configure my, my heads up display, I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> it's a hassle. Yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. So it's, it's kind of funny that I felt like I've, I may have outgrown that particular one. But um, anyway. That's all right. Good, good answers, though.
0: All right. Let's see. This will probably come up. Superman or Batman.
3: Batman, um I yeah, I, I I think I like the idea of Superman some ways better, but Batman just gets into more interesting stuff. There's the, the Superman problem is that when you're invulnerable, it it you know there's just not as much tension there for me.
1: Gotcha, definitely. Um this is in the vein of horror. Michael Myers, Freddie, or Jason? Michael Myers.
3: Always the The thing about the Michael Myers that I I liked the best was just that, that thing where he didn't have to run, you know, that (laughs) he never, you're right. (laughs) He's across the street. Jamie Lee Curtis is already on the porch hammering for somebody to come let her in and he's just walking. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's the scariest thing in the world. Whereas Freddy Krueger, he's like, the first nightmare on Elm Street that concept of your dreams killing you that was cool but the the character was just so corny in some ways and then mm. and then with Jason again they just really went overboard with the unkillability of him that that I just what I really liked was that original Michael Myers where he's just terrifying because there's no there's no motive there's nothing there it's just this thing <laughs> that's coming for you and it doesn't have to run because it's going to reach you Mm. And that's like that's the scariest thing in the world to me whereas yeah Freddie's just too wisecracky and and um and jason is just like you could tell after the like the second movie they were just like okay yeah what what riff on this can we do right like we've a wall I with I this one not that i didn't watch them all mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and that's what's funny tony Goldwyn, his 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 big screen premiere was actually his first his first role i think on screen was was jason five was Freddie wow. the so, um, which and I, which I only mentioned because yeah, he has that that role in the second episode of Lovecraft Country. So it was just funny realizing, oh yeah, I I knew him when.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow, small world.
0: Yep. All right, let's see. All right, one closer to your heart, Ruby or Letitia?
3: Ooh, tough call. Um, <laughs> probably Ruby. I mean, I think when people ask me my favorite characters in the book, it, it's a toss-up between Ruby and Hippolyta, but Letitia is a very close third. I mean, the women were, were the most fun to write, I got to say. Um, they just got into more interesting dilemmas in some ways, and Ruby's, Ruby's whole moral struggle is so interesting to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Letitia, what's cool about Letitia, Letitia's the person who says what she's thinking and, and always figures out a way. She's so She's the ultimate trickster character. She can't sweet talk you or browbeat you into giving you what she wants. You know, she'll find a way to go around you. And that is just like so much fun. And, um, and I'm loving Journey's interpretation of her. So uh, That's fire. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Although I got to say, my faith is fading. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean I mean I I I still I still I that that has a place in my heart going like the original trilogy still I it, it will always be with me but it's just at this point it's sort of and I do love the Mandalorian okay. it was a lot of fun baby Yoda was fun but yeah. yeah it's just the I don't know the the movies just seem have been running out of steam as they've gone along it seems like so um, no it's lies. not that they couldn't do more with that but yeah, it's like if, if I that, – that's another one I would love to, to play with that franchise, but they would never let me near that with a 10-foot pole for some of the things I would want to do. So. Oh, man. They need to. They need to. <laughs> they need to. Well, it'll, you know, it'll be in public domain in another 100 years maybe. And, so. <laughs> and I'm sure your your, your, uh, your
1: clone, you know, your, your fifth clone will take care of that. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Um, let's see. What character death hurts you the most in any medium, books, television, film?
3: oh wow um
0: comics video games
3: my god i don't know um i mean yeah to go back again i I remember being really moved by the death of darth vader in the in the original star wars but i don't know that's just the one the first one to come to mind i mean i -hmm. and the fact that i think of it first probably means it matters it It matters yeah um but yeah that's a tough call there's so many when it's done right um part of the problem too these days a lot of movies it's like it's never final Mm. so but
1: Mm. um who was your first geek crush um
3: hmm, geek crush Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know could could be um what was her was her name maya from space nineteen ninety nine that the shape changing gal in the second season of space nineteen ninety nine that was that was that was she was probably <laughs> you don't remember no.
1: okay. i don't know
3: <laughs> For my time
1: yeah
0: but, it might be in my time but i don't remember space nineteen
2: ninety nine
3: yeah unfortunately it's one of those things that you know it it, it it's it's best remembered than gone back to. That mm. um, was wow. Barbara Bain and, and uh, yeah, and, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. But anyway, the, they, they basically, yeah, the moon gets blown out of Earth's orbit in the first episode and then goes wandering through the universe. And so every... And somehow they just, like, ignore the whole issue of light speed. And and it's like, this week we're drifting through this galaxy, and then this week we're drifting through this galaxy. And somehow, but they're still moving slowly enough that they can interact with the planets that they're passing by. (laughs) And, you know, I'm watching this, I was like, this was on the air when I was probably seven or eight years old, so it's fine, you know, no big Mm -hmm. deal. Um, (laughs) You're like, I'll take that. (laughs) But, yeah, that's, that's something I would love to see somebody reboot that and just come up with with like a, a a way to make that work that wasn't so ridiculous and didn't remind, you know, didn't require you to just ignore common sense, but because it was a fun concept, but yeah, it's, it's actually, it's on, um, it's on Amazon prime right now. So you can, if you want to check it out, it's like, but unfortunately the yeah, the dialogue's not great. The acting's, uh, you know, they're okay. But, um, but the main thing is just, they've got cool spaceships and yeah. Um, and then maybe, um, maybe Cassiopeia from the original Battlestar Galactica. Okay. He was, was hot too. So yeah, back <laughs> in and the day.
0: Yeah, there we go. I got that. Now, the bat, original Battlestar, yeah.
3: <laughs> and of course, my, my first first love, I don't know if this quite falls in the geek category, was, was uh, Olivia Newton-John and Xanadu. I mean...
2: Yeah,
0: oh. understandable. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. It falls in, back, the back
3: in the long ago. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right uh well to finish up if you could have any one superpower what would it be
3: Ooh, um, immortality probably or or something close to it i just i'm i'm i like being around i enjoy being alive so i'd like to i'd like to stick around longer than i'm going to get so. so are we
1: talking immortality like wolverine kind of or are we talking about immortality like you want to be a vampire
3: well, this is the, the interesting challenge is you want to live forever or only as long as there are other people. Because, of course, if you if you buy the whole heat death of the universe, it's like, yeah, it'd be, you get to live maybe a billion years with other folks. But then there's a much longer infinity where you're just alone in darkness. So mm. um, I probably something closer to Wolverine. I don't want to have to prey on other people to do it. But. Right. <laughs> And I would right. like I would like reasonable good health. I don't want to be like the guy, like the Greek guy who wished for immortality, but not youth, where he yeah. turned into a grasshopper. But um, or like in the Hunger, where yeah, you know, Catherine Deneuve is storing the old lovers up in coffins upstairs. And, and um, jeez, yeah. So no, I would want you know I don't need to be I don't need to be twenty again. But if I could just like stop aging right around here, I'd, I'd be cool with that. Okay, but that would, that's that would fair. be my pick.
0: Understandable, very good one. All right. Well, you survived the BRAP segment. You survived the interview segment. Thank you once again for joining us, Matt. And please well, let the internet know where they can find you at.
3: Yes. My website is www.bymatruff.com. That's B-Y as in a byline because mm-hmm. I did not listen to my mother-in-law when she told me grab mattruff.com <laughs> while it's available because I'm like, Come on, Matt. Who they talk- else would have that name? And it turns out <laughs> lots of people lots do. do. <laughs> and uh there's yeah, other
0: dj ben i means believe it it's yeah weird. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> there's no
3: there's apparently no name that someone else does not have yeah, so yeah yeah so, that's uh, why i grabbed my url in high school so still have yeah. it
0: there you go all right well once again thank you and we will be right back after this break with more of the show I'm Professor Brandon Obunu.
1: This is Danny Lore. and this is Vida Ayala. My name's Genevieve Kang. This
2: is Peter Ramsey. This is Hiro Kangawa. This
1: is Lexi Alexander.
0: This is Atu Asado. And you are listening to... I am listening to...
1: I'm listening to...
0: I like to listen to... I'm listening to...
1: I'm listening to... We are listening to... For All the Nerds. Nerds.
0: Do it. what's up y'all welcome back to this episode of the for all nerd show and thank you mr matt ruff for joining us again for yet another legendary interview you know i'm gonna say it right here you can just call that one legendary put it in the books it's another classic that's what we do around here for all nerd show thank you very much to everybody out there for supporting us make sure you check out safe negro pod each and every week where we talk about mr matt ruff's I mean, you know, is that his progeny? Is that like, because his book is his creation, but that's like his creation's creation. He's like the grandfather of it. Like, you know what I mean? He wrote the book. then the yeah. book, Then the book gave birth to the show. That's
1: his progeny. Yeah, right. there it
0: is. So, you know, his progeny, Lovecraft Country. And I think, you know, I was actually thinking about doing something on Safe Negro Pod where we may do a, you know, a book club after the show ends, you know, so we can compare and contrast, especially since we have this contest going on right now that you can get a copy of. If you're following us on safe Negro pod and on Instagram. I mean, not let me do that. Right. If you're following us (laughs) on Instagram, safe Negro pod and for all nerds, make sure you read the rules correctly. So you can get yourself a copy of Lovecraft country. This beautiful novel right here. Mm -hmm. And you know, and some other big news I want to just shout out are, super engineer the man who behind the music the man who makes all this sound so beautiful look so beautiful mm. our editor-in-chief mr luna because he has a big 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 new project coming your way and you know can we just let him know a little something about that
1: yeah the project is called Tales of the Nova Realm. It is an Mm -hmm. audio podcast. It is a fantasy fiction podcast that Mm. takes place inside of a world called the Nova Realm. Mm. Uh, To give you an idea, just think Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, you know, Medieval's magic is D&D. It gives you some anime tees, gives you some Final Fantasy RPG tees. I listened to the very first episode and I loved it. There is some incredible voice acting, sound effects on freaking par. And it you really do get immersed into the story right away. So if you're into any of that, even the slightest, definitely listen to it. Again, it's called Tales of the Nova Realm. Uh, by the time you hear this, the trailer's gonna be out. Yep. So we're excited about it. We're really proud of Luna for this. And 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 no, no bias. Like really, it sounds amazing and it's and it's really fun. So I hope you all get into it. Tales of the Nova Realm by our engineer luna along with other amazing people on there but you know shout out to luna
0: shout out to luna and yeah, he makes all this sound so right so you already know that joint just sound beautiful
1: so yeah yeah
0: yeah make sure you check that out tales of the nova realm and you'll actually find the trailer on our instagram once that drops too as well at for all nerds you know how we do
1: absolutely and also shout outs to the 3 ninjas podcast as yer. well as medium popcorn podcast yer, yer. Uh, 3 ninjas had me on their show last week so that's already out you can watch that or listen to that um, i think I, i'm in i'm at like the 2 hour mark my interview but uh, we just basically talked about my life and how i got involved in podcasting how i got involved in foral nerds and mm. all of that and then medium popcorn we just recorded so that should be out soon Um, I I don't know if I was supposed to tell you what movie we talked about, but basically Medium Popcorn is about people who spoil older movies, but we kind of talk about it, you know, have some jokes about it, our our own viewpoints, and it's pretty fun. i have a great time with them. Um, Can you give us a hint? Uh, It's a Spike Lee movie.
0: Okay. Old Spike Lee, New Spike Lee. Old Spike Lee. Okay, I saw Asked. all right.
2: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I so mean, spiky-y. yeah,
0: because I don't want to go too far, you know, because he ain't got that many, so it's like, after a while, you can start narrowing it down pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. L-
1: last time I was on, it was like a couple of years back, whatever, and we did Jungle Fever. Um, Pre-Jungle and that was my first Fever?
0: Time- Post-Jungle Fever.
1: No, <laughs> like actual Jungle Fever. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, that, no, that, no, 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 <laughs> no, what I'm saying is your, is your, the new one pre-Jungle
1: oh, or post-Jungle Fever? Um... What year did Jungle Fever come out?
0: How the hell if I don't know. Is that
1: '90s or '80s?
0: I want to say like '91, '90 90 or '91, because that's after Do the Right Thing. So yeah, that's like '90, 90, '91.
1: Okay, the movie we did this time is pre Jungle Fever.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so those you,
1: are your those are your hints.
0: The hot ones. You getting into the, <laughs> the hot, hot Spike Lee <laughs> boy? You getting into the the Spike Lee? You know that's like the <laughs> yeah, that's that's like. <laughs>
1: those are your hits. Uh, listen to Medium <laughs> Popcorn Podcast. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Brandon, for having me on. Appreciate it. And that is it. But we got to go into one of our favorite segments
0: word up I, and shout out to medium popcorn i need to come on there that sounds hilarious and great and i need to hear this three yeah. ninjas podcast as well but now it's time for really quickly at least <laughs> i mean not really quickly it never is
1: quickly enough
0: yes the geekly asked is extra where we answer any and all questions that you send into us, you can hit us up. Contact at ForAllNerds.com dot or uh, Instagram or Twitter's at for all nerds. Ask us anything; it don't matter, geek related or nah, whatever is on your mind, just hit us up and ask us. But when we, since we're going to do this quickly, what yeah. do we have up first tonight?
1: First up comes from Jacob C. They write. Thanks so much for everything you do. Can't get enough of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Salute. I was I was wondering if either of you are into science fiction, fantasy books as much as television and movies, and if y'all would ever do a segment on upcoming or recently published books. Mm. Uh, potentially, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do do whole podcasts. The Safe Negro Podcast Show is one of them. Yep. Um, Castle Black was another. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely something we will entertain. Uh, what are some of your favorite books in the genre that have come out in the last few years?
0: uh who i mean lovecraft country is one
1: yeah
0: um i'm i just got started on the water dancer by ta-nehisi Coates.
1: yeah because we got we were gifted that book
0: yep i just started it i got a couple chapters into it i'm feeling it so far uh the children
1: of blood and bone yep
0: i haven't read that one yet um but i'm hearing that it's really good um eesh. Mm-hmm. from the last well, few one, years it's tough for me i'll the be last years honest it's
1: tough Because I always fall back on, too, because I like rereading Octavia Butler, so I'll read that forever. Yeah. Um, The the next part of it goes, how do you feel about George R.R. Martin's performance (laughs) at this year's Hugo Awards, and do you buy his apology? I think we
0: talked about this before. I didn't
1: Uh, even know something happened, but uh, uh, do you think that he was throwing shade, do you think he's really that clueless? All the best, Jacob C., a.k.a. Senator Markey, oh, excuse me, Senator Markey Mark, a.k.a. Pulpitine Fiction. I, I was oh, try- there's one more. There's one more. Okay. AKA Victor Von Dune, 2020. D U N E. Dune.
0: I'm not mad at that last one, but I'm not I, mad at it. I was, I was still trying to figure out Senator Marky Mark, and then Palpatine Fitchin really got me. So I, I was still trying to figure out what the hell Senator Mark, Senator Markey. I don't. Well,
1: I, I don't know who Senator Mark is, but you know who Marky Mark. Is, oh, obviously uh, I know yeah, that. But the fun bunch, baby. Okay. Okay, so <laughs>
0: <Now, laughs> like do you, you ever know about when Eminem was like when he's on a uh, TRL with Marky Mark? Well, and at that time he's Mark Mark of uh, Wahlberg, and he's like, let's all stand around in one fun bunch. And Wahlberg wanted to punch the shit out of that man. Boy, it was so great. Oh, man. See, I,
1: I missed the context on all of that. Yeah, because, but... you know, it was
0: Marky Mark and the Fun Bunch was his. Oh, that was, see, I didn't know that. That was the name of his corny ass bullshit group, you know. So, yes. Oh, okay. So, when Eminem brought it back on him, he was, you know, hurt. But, you know, truth hurts, bro.
1: Lovely. Uh, Like I said, I wasn't 100% sure what happened, but I did go do some research and, and found out what George did. Um, um, I'll just hear some highlights of what uh, George R. R. Martin did. Uh, Tim, do, do we have just real, to just he says, real quick? Uh-huh. He uh-huh. pronounced several of the winners' names, including. The, one of the winners, Rebecca F. Kwong uh, and Faya of Black Quarterly Magazine. I'm just trying to understand how did he mispronounce it? Did he said Fia. I don't know. Or whatever. Uh, he promoted the work of, you know, and the legacy of obviously super racist authors, amongst other things, and basically downplayed other people's winnings to say to to do anecdotes about his own life. I here's my thing. I don't know what George is going through. He's been going through it for the longest. He's going through being
0: a rich old white man. That's what he's going through. I think because he's
1: old, amongst other things. And I, maybe he just don't give a damn.
0: I think because George is like most rich old white men. They were raised on a life of privilege. They've never been challenged their whole life. He, you know, And that George wasn't always rich, but he's been rich for a long fucking time. And like at that point, and he's been a superstar where no one can say anything to him other than what do you want, etc. So- I, honestly, it is honestly i just don't care i feel like we gave way more time to this than needed just in this 30 seconds we just gave fuck george R. R. martin <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right the next question <laughs> comes from what up for oh no nerds family it's maze aka scarlet joe handsome <laughs> that's nice
0: that's nice that's cute
1: uh hustle and glow all right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's mid.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> Thank you. See what I mean? It ain't just That was me.
1: mid. It ain't just mid. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Grand Pumba. What? Instead of Puba. Pumba. Pumba? Like Pumba and Simone. Instead of Grand Pumba.
0: Lost me on. I, not, I know Grand Pumba. I don't know what But Pumba, he said and, Grand
1: Pumba. Like who's Pumba and Simone? From Lion King. The Warthog and the Meerkat. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Stone COVID Steve Austin. No. And then, oh, come on, don't do this. Losing Isaiah Thomas. Instead of losing Isaiah, I, Isaiah I Thomas. I mean, but why,
0: yeah, why disrespect so, that man? Like, you know, like Isaiah Thomas is a real person, fam. Like, you know. I,
1: again, I, Mays, long-time supporter, appreciate you. I think you, you enjoy, but I mean... Uh, well, also I sometimes, but you enjoy us going in on your I, I think
2: so, these because
1: horrible. these are horrible, <laughs> Like These are terrible. Like Wait, Randall's back again with any of those like... Scarlett jo Handsome. Okay, there we go. Was cute. Yep. Well, anyway, yeah. the question goes... <laughs> the question slash comment goes, uh, obviously, first things first, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, and just simply thank you all for the wonderful cinematic art you left us, you left for us to celebrate you buy. you are a true super, superhero king and inspiration in every possible way yes mm-hmm. um as for my question nothing brought me mere joy this week than watching ben i mean turn the new avengers game into a fall guys dlc Facts. wowzers another one and he really did y'all
0: man uh, I, was, I was falling off I, I, everything I
1: was, not gonna lie i was in that room clowning ben i mean left and right i was sci gaming it was it was the best i had a yes. class. Uh, so the question is, will we see from the 4 All Nerds spaceship assemble? No, w- excuse me. Will the 4 All Nerds spaceship assemble for a play-along or a team-up? I think it would be so fun to see y'all run the multiplayer and bring people back, uh, like like other guests and other hosts to play with us. Um, yeah. So he, they just think that would be a cool cool idea. So are we going to do that? Probably. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um yes. Yeah, even, like, uh, shout-out to the Bouncer. He was actually trying to request me yesterday.
1: Oh, uh, uh, Chuck.
0: Yep, he was trying to request Chuck me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I didn't... Re- his his uh, PlayStation name is different than his Twitter name. So I was like, who
1: the oh, hell? Oh, so you thought it was some troll. I, he I wasn't was like, was just trying to request me to play Avengers? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like,
0: nah, fam. I was watching TV anyway, so no. But, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm... Like I say, I'm... Uh, to talk about Avengers, I got it last week. I'm loving it so far. It's... You know, everyone is, like, compared to Spider-Man. And I can't because Spider-Man is just one of my favorite games of all time at this point. And it's solid. I think that a lot of people are going hard. Yes, Thor looks like Lebowski. uh Tony, Tony, Lebowski. <laughs> That's S- what
1: I said in Tony,
0: the Tony Stark straight up looks like your man's um, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Um,
1: these are the off-brand, great value voices. So, but I like the voices. It's good voice. And let me be yes. clear: it's good. It's good. Yeah. Like, cause great brand event stuff be good. Yes. You know the 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 Target brand stuff, the Market Pantry stuff be good, but yeah. it's not what you're used to. Let's
0: give them <laughs> so, Target. Let's give them Target. You know, okay, this, Target, yeah. Target, yes. Market
1: Pantry brand because it's a little higher class. Yeah. Let's give them Target. It's, tar- it's, it's Market Pantry brand uh, voices for the for the characters, but it's still good.
0: Yes, definitely. You know, not
1: the original. But, no, not but, the not Bad. Yeah.
0: You know this ain't Foley's Ma- the even. This ain't Macy's fam you know <laughs> <laughs> This ain't Nordstrom because you yeah. like this
1: costs a lot of money when you're uh RDJ Yeah
0: you know? you know this ain't Nordstrom bro you know this ain't 5th <laughs> Avenue this ain't none of them joint's no this is my fucking you know Target <laughs> Yeah, but, but it is solid Target stuff. You know what like I mean? You like, ain't
1: on great value brand. Yo, Walmart brand don't be bad. Either, what is man?
0: great value brand? I don't even know great value that's brand.
1: Walmart's, that's Walmart's Oh, that's like uh, Walmart's no line.
0: Brand. Okay, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, just, I just
1: like Market Pantry is Target's line of food.
0: Oh, I did not know that. I've never paid yes. it. I bought it, trust, me, but I've never really paid it. Yeah, and it was tasty. Oh, don't. couldn't
1: even tell the difference. Please <laughs>
0: believe it. You know, like, come on. I'm a Target. Like, I grew up in Target. My, I mean, right. my boy got locked up one time, you know, because we was in Target, you know. <laughs> Okay. Doing things, you know, that but
1: Avengers. Things happen, yeah. Fire all, game yeah, I love, yes. I love watching you. Yes, yes. Ben. I mean, was falling off the fucking board Everything. every five seconds. However, when he did get into the controls and all that Ooh. stuff, pure fire. He was killing the game as Hulk, killing the game as Cap, just going in, and it looks good. Yes. Like from a graphics perspective, it looks really good. And as as Maze mentions, lots of multiplayer aspects or, mm-hmm. or, or or you know, the even the, just the general team up. If you if you're playing by yourself and you get to play as multiple characters, it's really fun.
0: Yeah. Um like so far I've been really played with other people too much. I did one mission with some rando who I didn't know and it was cool, but other than that, I've been letting the computer control my teammates. And that's really ill because it when it gets going, it gets going, you know, it's like you got Miss mm-hmm. Marvel growing, you got Iron Man calling down the Hulk Buster uniform. I've been whooping Black Widow's my new favorite on the low. Yo, she goes in. I put oh, in. Oh,
1: I was laughing. When you finally figured out how to do that 22 piece with her. yo. <laughs>
0: I've been putting in them work with Widow now. Like I got these auto pistols. It, yeah, but it's you know, like the the tree stills for every character is dope. It's like it's a solid game. And they say what I've heard from us Square Enix, and shout out to them for sending us the review copy bid looks, is that they're talking about um supporting this game for the next 10 years damn yeah like all the characters like uh spider-man is a playstation exclusive for some reason i think that's because of the whole spider-man deal with playstation but Mm. he's coming soon as an add-on yep as an add-on character uh both hawkeyes clint barton and kate bishop are coming that's to both systems black panther and i want to say hank pym because hank pym is in the game already he's just not a Playable I want
1: to play as Hank Pym Word? so I can do the go like because I could do the big Hank Pym the little Hank yeah, Pym
0: yeah I want to see the little <laughs> because it, cause with, you already got a big Kamala like when Kamala goes big you already get that feeling oh, you, do? oh. you don't think they're going to
1: do that with uh oh man. they
0: gonna do big g- giant man too but I wanna giant see the man. small cause that's you know like I've already seen the big with Kamala so I wanna see oh
1: would they let you like become small and then like go into like the, the mechanics of an enemy's I gun wonder or for example yeah. and then you could like say you could fly into their tank and then pull some wires mm. out and then fuck that tank up that would be insane but long story short yes we yeah. are going to do ensemble play
2: mm-hmm. for
1: sure I am going I'm absolutely going to play I will figure it out it's a cross platform
0: uh, that's one I, I don't have. know. Yeah, I don't if know. If it's
1: cross-platform, then I can just get it on Steam and then rock with you.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, so. but if I, we'll find that out. But yeah, that's an, that's a good question. But yeah, like I say, 10 years and all the characters will be free. They said Black Panther. I know the both Hawkeyes, and I want to say it's Ant Man, but those are all coming like very soon, and like I can't wait to see how they do Black Panther or even Spider Man, because Black Widow kind of plays like a Spider Man, but not that. So I want to see how the difference, and then I just got the Captain America, and this dude can double jump and wall run, so he got shit that Black Widow can't do. So it's like, each mm-hmm. character is really distinct, you know, really feels like, like when you were with Thor, and you were swinging that millionaire boy, it is a problem. Like, mm-hmm. Thor is a problem. That man, kunk, and that feel, that noise, <laughs> is
1: kunk. I like your sound. Oh, man, it feels,
0: <laughs> that's one thing, like, shout out to Charles Pulliam, he was pointing this out, because the, the Avengers, like, you're fighting a lot of robots. But there's some human person, and them dudes scream. Like, you are... Oh, you
1: m- screaming NPCs. You
0: are murking ridiculous amount you, of people are, in this day. You are
1: killing... Like, you can... T- like, it's not just, oh, random NPCs just falling out. They are dying.
0: Yes. You are murdering people. black widow is shooting people and they're screaming <laughs> as she shoots them. And I, I mean, I enjoy it, you know, to the fullest, but you know, just a little bit of a warning there.
1: Murder, death, kill, homicide, yeah. violence, violence. I'm like,
0: damn, these Avengers cold-blooded boy. It's been a rough five years for them. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. Collateral damn. damage. Uh. <laughs> so that is the end of Guac. Thank you, Maze, for your question. Thank you, Jacob. If you all have a question for us, could be about gaming, geek and pop culture, anything around that realm, or even outside of that realm. Uh, or you just want us to flame your AKA names, hit us up. Contact at 4AllNerds.com. That way you can email us, or if you have a longer question, or if you just want some privacy. Otherwise, you can hit us up on the socials, at 4AllNerds. You can tweet us or send us a note through IG. And if you are on a special tier on Patreon, patreon.com forallnerds you could guarantee guac questions. You can ask us them at any time. We will answer them anytime <laughs> and we will make sure that we salute you so thank you all appreciate it
0: mm-hmm. and like we said make sure you are following us on twitch.tv slash for all so not only can you see beautiful you know live presentations of the show like this you can also catch me dj you can catch me playing video games you can catch tatiana over there You know, playing some video games, talking her shit, doing all that type of stuff. So, (laughs) you know, make sure you are following us over there. Twitch.tv slash ForAllNerds. And, you know, when you got to hop on, I'm asking, you know, I'm putting you on the spot right now.
1: Happy 999 day. You know, 21 years ago, the Dreamcast was released. Wow. The best system
0: ever. Lies.
1: Ever. The Mm. most underrated system.
0: I'll, I'll give you that. I don't think that system had golden eye on it though.
1: Oh shit.
2: pro